And Jesus, thank you for your heart for us. May we welcome you, Lord. Kids can go to Jesus, kids, if, if you want to this or if you want to take them out. Father, we thank you for your and we thank you for your fathering. We thank you for your voice. And Lord, we thank you that you're ever present in our hearts. And Jesus, we just acknowledge you. We truly acknowledge you, Lord. And we acknowledge you, Holy Spirit. I want to encourage us. I feel like, again, can you turn me down? Um, I think sometimes we feel like, like activity is progress um, in our walks with Jesus, and that's not always the case. At least in my heart, and like, like I was sitting here thinking about it, is like, I think that like if you, it's funny because like I read a lot of like little kid, like Jesus stories and stuff. And it's like, there's all these stories from the Old Testament that we read to our kids, like Jonah and the whale and, um, you know, the walls of Jericho and all these like crazy Jesus, you know, crazy God stories that we like, that we read to our kids and then we don't ever preach on them really. But like we read them to our kids and then we transition into Christianity as an adult and we think that we don't serve that same God or we think that Christianity is supposed to make sense to us when we get older. Does that make sense? Like, I'm reading Jonah and the whale to Valor and he's just like, and the whale swallows Jonah and I'm just like, 100%. And then you have pastors that try to explain that away. Like, oh, it wasn't really a whale, it was just hypothetical or it was just poetic and I'm just like, what part of the rest of the Bible makes sense to you. Does that make, like, you know what I mean? Like, people try to, they're like, well, the Red Sea wasn't really, it was the it was the shallowest it's ever been at that time of the year when they walked through it. And I'm like, 
first off, okay, God drowned a whole entire army in a shallow water then. First off, that's incredible. They must have all fell down and their faces all got stuck in the water and they couldn't get up in three. Seriously, that's what people will say. Like, theologians will try to say, well, it was just, a, it was a dry season and that's why they could walk across. And, it, and the Bible is super important if you understand that God is not, he is not mocked. So like he'll say, they walked across on dry land. Implying that it doesn't matter how low you think the water is, they walked across it on dry land. Kind of trying to imply that you don't, you can't figure me out. So stop trying to, right? It's like people always say, the only thing that, <laughs> there's all these thoughts coming to me. The only thing that comes, the only thing that actually produces life, everyone says, is water. You need water to, to sustain life, right? And God says, I make you from the dust of the ground. Implying that the dirt had no water in it. Right? There's all these things that people try to explain. And I'm just like, we think that like our, and I talked about it a little bit last week. We think our effort and our, and our ability is what transforms and changes us. And it's just not the case. Like, it's restful and encouraging to me to know that I have nothing to do with transformation. And I have nothing to do with the Lord and his working in me. My, my job is to believe it and allow it and yield to it. That's all my job is to do. Right, we talked about, we're going to talk about like dying to self. Crucifixion is just allowing somebody to crucify you. Right? That's all it is. Because you can't crucify, you can't crucify yourself. I, I said it last week as a joke and it's not a joke. You, you beat one hand in and then you beat your feet in maybe, but you need someone to hold the nail for you. And then you need someone to put this, hand, put, put this nail in. Right? So you can't crucify yourself. You can only yield to him and let him do it. And I want us to be confident in the reality of like, no part of this is supposed to make sense to you. No, no part of Christianity is supposed to make sense how God can just take you and change you into a different person. How God can, how, how you can just sit here, like Jared said, sit here in this moment, say, Father, I release that person and him and just do something in your heart to where you don't see the person the way that they used to. Doesn't make any sense to me. And I'm super cool with that. Right? But we sit here and we try to make sense of it all. And we try to like, we try in works to produce what only faith will produce. Right? The opposite of, the opposite of faith is not legalism. The opposite of faith is, is works, striving, which I guess is legalism, but it's, it's they're, they're, they're polar opposites. The law is your own effort. Faith is believing in God's effort, believing in God's power. Right? Like there's been like some things in my heart in the last like, couple like months that I feel like to be all in all honesty the enemy has really attacked me in it because I feel like I have to have like a lot of answers and a lot of understanding on how to do things and I'm just like I'm like and then I just settled I'm like well at what point am I supposed to make at what point is this supposed to all make sense to me and I don't know and I because I got to this point of not knowing what I'm doing you know what I mean Someone's like, amen. like, amen, right? You get to this point not knowing what you're doing, but like you trust him and you give yourself to him and he just does something. Like, like I've been in so many meetings, so many situations, so many opportunities in my life where I just said, I have no idea how this is going to go and I don't even know what to say, but I'm going to just pray in tongues. And I step into it and then the person says something that's exactly what I wanted to hear in the sense of like brought up what we needed to talk about this person, it worked out exactly the same way that I wanted it to. Absolutely had no idea how it was going to happen, but it just did. And it's like the Bible's riddled with stuff like that. And then he's like, 
and Jesus walked his whole life like that. And then he's like, follow me. You know what I mean? Like, I, I want us to see that. Like, when we talk about discipleship and when we talk about following Jesus and becoming like Jesus, none of it has anything to do with your striving or your effort. It has to come with your yielding. Like, you're clay, and he's the potter. And the only thing that clay does is they yield to the potter. Right? You have no ability to make yourself anything, but you yield to him. Now, you can be workable or you can be hard, and that's the only thing that you get. That's I'm serious, though. Like, we want to, I want to talk about, like, I mean, we're going to spend the next little bit of time in, in, in Jesus' church talking about discipleship and talking about us following Jesus and what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. Michelle, will you clean all this mess up? Um, Raylan dumped your whole purse out. Uh, but the, the, the issue, and this is what I was talking with Taya about, is like I struggle to actually talk about like, when you start talking, when you start reading what Jesus says, this is what's required of my disciples. And then you're like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm, we're going to preach that. Immediately what we do is we say, okay, well, I'm going to go do that then. And that you can't do that. Like, Christianity is 100% impossible for you. And that's, what Jesus, that's why it's so freeing to follow Jesus is because he's the example and he's impossible to follow. Right? Like, Jesus, Jesus saying, <laughs> like, in the story of the Good Samaritan, I love that story. It's one of Valor's favorite stories to read. Because the guy's all beat up, and Valor loves pain for some reason. He's always just, he loves like cuts and like somebody has, someone's hurt, he's like, owie, I'm like, yum. And he just loves it. Like if he gets skinned up, he's going to show everybody all the time, like look at this skinned up knee I got. Um, But like, he loves the Good Samaritan, and it's like, in that story of the Good Samaritan, a guy raises his hand, is like, you know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He's like, do all these things, whatever, and he's like, well, who's my neighbor? I don't know. Like, is that how it goes, Jared? You're back. Um, ultimately, it says, who's my neighbor? And then Jesus goes on to tell this story. And he's like, telling the whole story, pretty much just be a good neighbor to this person. He goes, which one of those was a good neighbor? And then he says, and you go and do that. Implying like, hey, love that person like that. Go ahead, and that's how you do it. And that's how you obtain it. And then he walks away. And like, in my mind, the guy's just like, okay, then I'm going to do that. And that's what we say, right? I'm going to love people. I'm going to love people like that. Jesus is like, yeah, but you love people like I love people. And you're like, okay, I'm going to do that too. And that's incredible because it's impossible to love people like Jesus loves people. Like to go out with the love of God and actually look at somebody and love them like Christ loves them. I'm talking them nailing you to the cross and falsely accusing you and beating you and you saying, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. That's what he's saying. Follow me. Right? And that's what I mean. It's like one of the temptate or the the fear of like sharing about discipleship and sharing about following Jesus is if you don't hear it right, you're gonna try to do it in your own strength and you're gonna be discouraged. That's my fear about sharing it. It's like because it'll go, okay, well then I need to do this, 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 and this, and then I'm gonna get the answer. Right? We love methods and formulas. That's just how we're wired. That's how humans are wired, because it's the fall of man. Right? There's a wisdom. But it's not according to the it's not according to God, it's according to the world. And it's it's crazy because like to follow Jesus, the only way, well let's just read it. Go to 2 Corinthians. Um no wait, hold on. Actually go to Matthew. 
chapter, um, I think it's 15. This is what we talked about last week. Peter confesses Jesus as the Christ, right? Jesus, all the stuff I talked about last week is foundational for us to understand and follow Jesus. Is You have to know Jesus and have an encounter with Jesus when there's nobody around and you need to have a revelation of who He is. Right? I can't give it to you. I can't make it real to you. Only the Holy Spirit can make it real to you. Peter says, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. You're the anointed one. You're the one that's coming. You're the one that's the Savior of the world. You're the one that's been promised. You're the one from Genesis chapter 3 when he says he's going to bruise Satan's heel. You're that dude. And he says, the only way that you understand that is because my Father revealed it to you. So you get a revelation of Jesus, right? From the Father. You don't get it from people. Now people might help you, but it has to click from the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus says, no one comes to me unless the Father draws them. Because it's the Lord and He's working. I've been super encouraged and just super resting in like Jesus saying, the Father has been working until now. And so many times we think that like, oh, when I share with Jared, now I shared the gospel with Jared, like that was God working. You don't understand that God's been working. And you just partnered with His working. And when you understand that, you're like, okay, I'm not the end-all be-all for people. Right? It was funny, Taya's like, she, her mom calls her and is like, look who I'm eating dinner with. And Taya's like, looking... And as some kid from 10th grade, she's like wild party kid, like the crazy kid in the class. And she's sitting there and she's like, I haven't seen the dude since 10th grade. She's like, look who we've seen. And her dad was on a work or a job site, saw the guys, hey, you're Taya and, and Jonathan's mom and dad, or dad, right? He's like, yeah, I gave my life to Jesus. And, she, and he has no Christian influence in his life. Didn't have a church. Just like he was just literally an alcoholic. And was drinking so much, he's just like, I have to stop. So he just said, I'm going to give my life to Jesus. And somewhere down the road, someone must have taught him something. He must have heard something. And I'm like sitting there, and the Lord's been teaching me all this. Like, I'm working. And then you're partnering with his working. And we're all just like, how are they going to hear unless there's a preacher? And it's like, yes, there's people sowing seeds into him somewhere. Like, there, there was people sowing seeds. Whether it be you praying in, the, in tongues and you not knowing what you're praying, or whether it be somebody actually praying for you. But it's like, I don't know, and I don't really care. But I'm super thankful that the Lord encountered this dude. And I started thinking about it. I'm like, I had like so much background and the Lord just encountered me in my, in my bedroom. And nobody, it wasn't like somebody came and convicted me of, of sin. Holy Spirit did that, right? And it's like, he's been working until now. And I see, I'm starting to see all these things of like, wow, maybe we just like pray a little bit more and try a little bit less, right? You know what I'm saying? Like I'm trying to like, I'm trying to say all the right things all the time to get Tyler to see and understand. And what if I'm just like, you know what? It's the Holy Spirit that makes it real to you. So let's just ask him. Holy Spirit, what do you think? Bam. Lights come on. That's awesome. That's way better than me trying. You know, and it's like, and I've been a trier and I am a trier and I need to stop being a trier. And it's like the Lord has been convicting me on it. It's like, I'm really good at trying. And I'm really good at striving. But here's the thing is like, what you what you gain by self by self effort, you're gonna have to sustain by self effort, right? Like what you what you accomplish and do in your own strength, you can you continue to do that and build that in your own strength. And that's people get exhausted because you can do things in your own strength. You, you, like you can you can build things in your own strength. They'll just burn one day. 
right? And and that's just that's just the plain old fact. And there's things that I've tried to do in my own strength, and I'm like, okay, and I'm just going to step back. Lord, I never asked you to do that, okay. Or I never asked you to do it that way. Or I told you to do it this way, and you did it that way. Or I told you to do it, and now you took the, took the reins, and now you're doing it yourself. And that's why you feel tired. I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to step a little bit farther back and see what I need to actually do. And I'm not trying to be super vague. It's just like there's a million things that you can apply that to in your life, not just ministry, not just not just doing things for Jesus, right? Like the Holy Spirit can do, he can do more with one word in, in due season than years and years and years of counseling, right? He can just go, lights on. And you're like, holy cow, that's been, that's been, forever I've thought like that and why the heck have I thought like that right and all your soul searching and all your self-effort and all your self-help didn't didn't reveal it but the Holy Spirit's flashlight did and it's super super bright you know what I mean and I think that when we believe that and agree with that like there's so many times I was talking to our guys about it and becoming like because we've been on the Holy Spirit vein is like there's been so many times where I'm like I like I specifically remember the one time I was like super short with Valor and, and, and I don't know if Stella was born and Taya. And I'm like, I'm doing the dishes and I'm just like, why am I so frustrated? And I just said, I'm like, I literally just was like at the sink. I'm like, Lord, why am I so frustrated? He's like, because you hit the snooze button this morning. Just like that. And I'm like, yeah, because I wanted to get up and spend time with you, but I hit the snooze button. So the rest of the day, I've been condemning myself because I didn't get up in time. And he's like, it's not even me condemning you. It's you. And that's why you're frustrated. Right? And I'm trying my best to not be frustrated. And I'm trying my best, but the whole time, somewhere in my heart, I'm condemning myself because of the way that I didn't think I lived up. Like Jared said, your balance sheet is your is your you're grading your own test, and then you're taking your you're you're the one scoring them, and you're failing, right? So it's like Holy Spirit reveals something to me in the moment. I'm like, holy cow, my repentance is so much easier because I'm like I recognize why, and I recognize that I'm not just hey I'm sorry. I'm going to try not to be frustrated. No, actually, I need to get my heart right to where I'm not judging myself for things that I feel like I need to do for the Lord. Right? That's freedom. We haven't had questions in a long time. I want to make sure that people know that we can still ask questions. So, does anyone have a question? Mark, you have a question? Your hand almost went up. Um, yeah. Um, you said something in the beginning that like sparked a question on my heart that I'm sure other people have is you said our job is to not um, it's it's God that works in us. Our job is to yield and believe what what would you say to somebody that is consistently hearing? Yeah, but yielding and believing is a work. Mm-hmm. Um, has anyone ever thought like that? Yielding, and believing is a work. I think that. Hmm. Look at look at Colossians chapter three. I'm just trying to figure out what's the best way to answer that. Yeah, it makes sense.
Colossians chapter 2 talks a lot about, um, well, like, look at verse 23. It says, chapter 2, it says, These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom and self-imposed religion, but um, false humility and the neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. And he's talking about, like, doing rituals and trying to keep things to make yourself pure, Right? So like your question saying that belief and yielding is a work, um, it comes from a, a mentality of lack. It comes from a mentality of that you haven't been given all things in Christ. And like I've been there 100%. Like the Lord just spoke that to me the other day. He's just like, in some areas I feel like I'm lacking. And if I don't build, if I don't pursue, I'm never going to get the answer. If I don't seek, I'm never going to actually find. And all of that comes because you don't realize that you've been given all things. If you realize that you've been given all things in Christ and that the work has been accomplished, that's why righteousness is the foundation. Does that make sense? Like when you understand righteousness is the foundation, then you can build on that foundation. But if you don't understand righteousness is your foundation, your baseline, then you're going to strive to get something that's already yours. That's what religion is. Does that make sense? That's why we hit righteousness so hard. Because if you understand that, you can build on a healthy foundation. So look, Verse 1, it says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your, mind on, set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. If then, if then you were raised, seek those things which are above. Right, So your seeking is what your life is hidden in already because you have it's been accomplished in you that you've been changed. Right, So if you've been changed, then you can pursue something because you're not striving to get something. You actually have obtained it. Now you're just walking it out. Does that make sense? So let's say that, let's say you have a... Um, Let's say you have an area where you feel like the Lord has been revealing to you, like, for example, let's say that you, you're having a hard time forgiving somebody, right? And you're like, okay, my answer is not to try to forgive this person more. My answer is to yield to this, to yield, right? To give myself and believe that I've been. So your, your work, your work is not to, man, how do I say this? Well, Lord. Your work is not to strive to forgive. And what we think is every time this comes, every time, okay, every time that the feeling or the mentality or the flashback or I see this person, every time it comes, well, Father, I just forgive that person. And eventually I'm going to do, I'm going to say it or do it enough that I'm going to see the result of it. That's not the way that Christianity works, right? So if you realize, like Jared said, you've been forgiven much, and that's how you forgive. That's why Jesus says, or Paul says in Colossians, he's like, you forgive because you have been forgiven. So you recognize, okay, I have been forgiven. I have been forgiven. This is, this is just the way that I did it when I walked through forgiveness. I have been forgiven. I'm holding this person accountable and I'm striving to try to forgive this person and every single day it bothers me, right? So I need to go back to my foundation and there must be a crack in my foundation somewhere because I don't truly understand. And if I realize that it's mine and I'm not working for forgiveness, then Holy Spirit, I need a revelation of this truth, right? Like I said, I'm not, it's not like I need Jared to teach me more. I need, I need the Holy Spirit to be like, 
Lord, why am I holding this person so accountable when I've been forgiven so much? Right? Because the issue is, is you have been forgiven much, but you don't see that. And that's why you're holding somebody so accountable. Right? Because that's what that scripture says, is when you forgive, you're going to love much. Well, everyone will say like, oh, well, if you're not forgiven that much, well, then that's why you don't love that much. Or maybe you've been forgiven a ton, and that's why that person loves so much. It's like, no, they understand that they've been forgiven. And you don't understand that you've been forgiven much. Right? That's self-righteousness. And they keep doing the same thing over and over again, but you want to forgive them? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think, Robin? What do you think the answer is? <laughs> you know the answer, you Robin. Surrender it to God and let him work on it. And you pray for change for that person, you surrender it to them or surrender it to the Lord and let him work it out. But there's also a key aspect that we have to see is you need to see them the way that God sees them. Right? Because you did that to the Lord a million times over. Right? And he never lost sight of you. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got saved at a later date in your life, right? And it's like the Lord pursued you that whole time from when you were a little girl and it's like and you just kept doing the same stuff that he wished you never did you know what I'm saying but forgiveness was always extended to him to you and ultimately because the reason is and this is why it's this is what I mean is it's a revelation it's a truth it's something and then you can give yourself the revelation and the Holy Spirit makes it real is he looks at you and he says you don't understand and that's why you're doing what you're doing and if you understood then you wouldn't do that he's like so we need understanding and the Lord, that's why the Lord loves you in the midst of, that's why he can love sinners in the midst of all their, their pain and suffering. is because he sees them not according to sin. He sees them according to who they were created to be. And he sees, man, they're blind and they're in darkness and that's why they're doing what they're doing. So extending forgiveness to somebody is the first step, but also seeing them the way that God sees them is the second step. Is because you need to see them like, man, Lord, I can forgive this person a hundred times. They're going to, if they keep doing it, what you want is, you want to look at them and say, regardless of, regardless of if they do this again, I see why they're doing what they're doing. And I see that if they understood clearly, like right now, the person who that is, 100%, if you believed, if they saw themselves the way that God saw them, and if they've experienced the truth and the transformation of the born-again experience and the, and the Spirit of God, do you think that they do what they're doing? Would, you, would, would we all agree? Would they do what they're doing? Right? So that means that your battle is not against flesh and blood. Right? Does that make sense? Like your battle is not against flesh and blood in that situation. It's against the enemy's blindness and his darkness over people's lives. That's what I mean. So then you go, okay, my forgiveness is actually not what changes them. It's the Holy Spirit that can change them. And like you said, you yield to the Lord and you say, Father, I know that you can change this person. They don't see who they are. That's why Jesus, like I said, him saying, I'm going to love this person the way that Christ, I want to love this person the way that Christ loves them. That's why he can hang on the tree and say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And in, in my eyes and in a lot of people's eyes, they knew exactly what they were doing. They'd been planning it for three years, right? And it was like a plan came together, right? Like it says, from that time forward, I don't know where it's at. 
from that time forward, they saw how they might destroy him. And they, they, and it was like they came together and they saw how they might destroy him. They planned the whole thing out. Then they destroyed him and they killed him. And Jesus says, they don't know what they're doing. Because that's what sin has done to people. Because it's blinded them so much, right? And that's why the Lord is super gracious and patient, right? And that's why the things, look at that, in the middle of my answer. No, but that's the thing, right, Robin? Is it's like there is a, there is something that the Lord wants to do in you and in our hearts. Not just you, but our hearts to where we see people and we don't regard them according to the flesh anymore. Right? I remember the Lord told me one time, he's like, Dylan, you'll have revival when you don't regard people according to the flesh. And what we do is we regard people according to the flesh a lot. We regard ourselves according to the flesh a lot. Right? Like we, we look at people and we hold them accountable. And what we do when we do that, when we, hold, when we actually look at people and we don't see them for who they could be in the midst of repentance and transformation and change, what we're doing is we're actually hindering grace on their heart, in their, in their life. Right? Because what you're doing is you're shutting up the flow and the grace and the love of God because you're holding somebody accountable. Right? You're actually withholding forgiveness from somebody because you're not seeing them the way that God sees them. And sometimes, I mean, I, I just tell some, like I remember when I was walking through forgiveness, I remember asking the Lord, I'm like, Lord, I don't see this right. And I frankly don't really want this person to be forgiven. They need punishment is what they need. Right? That's what I'm thinking. And I'm like, I'm just going to be honest with you, Lord. And that tells me straight away that I don't understand because I needed punishment and you didn't see that. Right? Like, the wages of sin was death for me. And somehow you didn't, you, you were like, no, that's not what you need. You need forgiveness. And that'll change you. Right? That's convicting. And that's what I mean. Does that answer your question, Robin? It's so good though, because it's, but that's, and this is where I feel like, so like we have to guard ourselves and this is what I'm talking. You have to guard yourself that you're not going to go strive to do that. You're not, you're going to have to guard yourself that you're not going to go, okay, well now I'm going to go step up and do this. Or the Lord is asking me to do something that's really difficult. He's, he's inviting us into freedom, right? Jesus always invites us into a better way, right? Like, so when he's saying, hey, I want you to see this person the way that, that I do, what he's saying is, hey, like Robin, I want your heart to be free to love this person in, in spite of where they're at so that you can see where they're going. And I want, I want you to be a catalyst to actually transformation in their life, right? So it's like he's actually positioning your heart to be in a place to where they can't hurt you anymore because you see them clearly, right? So let's just like, like let's say they're being mean to you and you're like, hey, I for, like you're forgiving them. I'm just not. I'm gonna let that go. Like if my boss chews me out, I'm gonna let it go. I'm gonna let it go. I'm gonna let it go. I'm gonna forgive them. You can do that all the time. The only way that you can see them apart from that is by the Spirit of God, to where you actually sit there and you go, when they're chewing you out, you're just like, oh, I see why they're doing that. I actually understand that. Like I see by the Spirit of God what's going on. Now you've just become somebody that's positioned to bring transformation because that's what Jesus did, right? He's teaching to the people and they're only listening for what they, disagree, what they disagree with and they're trying to kill him. And he's speaking perfect truth to him and he loves them the whole time. That's crazy, right? Because he sees them apart from where they're at and he's not taking things personal, right? It's one of the things that we do a lot is we take things personal, right? 
And that's why, like, what we've been reading, like, you died and your life is hidden in Christ. When we understand that we actually died and we're following somebody, Jesus promised suffering, persecution. People hate, he says, blessed are you when all people hate you for my name's sake. And we're just like, sign me up, right? He's like, and he's telling all his guys, hey, they'll kill you. They'll kill some of you. They'll persecute some of you. And they'll throw some of you in prison. But rejoice. Because great is your reward in heaven. Right? Like that's, that's their teacher. And they're just like, nah, I'm sure he didn't mean that. I'm sure that's not what he meant. Right? I'm sure he just meant like, they're going to get mad at us. Like, no, they're going to they're gonna hate you. And the only way, it's just so crazy. Because like, Paul, one of the most convicting scriptures in the whole Bible to me, is Paul in, in Romans chapter 9 when he says that he wishes that he would be accursed for his countrymen so that they would receive salvation. Those are the, That's the most, like if you look at what Paul was tormented and, and persecuted and beaten and thrown in prison, it was all the Jews. Everybody, like he's seeing revival happen in the Gentiles and these guys are just beating him everywhere he goes. And when he'd go to this city, a Gentile city, revivals in the streets, people are just, they're taking handkerchiefs from his body and casting out demons and healing the sick. The people from the other city, the Jews from the other city, hear that Paul's tearing up this other city, bring a bunch of people, stir up a mob, and try to kill Paul. And then Paul's like, but I, I wish that I could be a curse so that they would be saved. And I'm like, no way. No, not, a, not a chance. And I'm just telling the Lord, I'm not, I don't even care. I'm like, I'm not, I do care because I'm like, I want to understand that. But it's like, I'm like, there's no way. I'm not going to try to lie and tell me, like, be a Christian and be like, yeah, I would love that. No, I wouldn't love that. Right? I don't want to be a curse from Jesus so that these people could be saved. No way. But they but he something about Paul was impacted so much by the by the sacrificial love of Jesus and the life of Jesus that he actually started to think and look like Jesus in every situation, right? Where Stephen's getting beat and he just says, or getting stoned and he's about to die and he just says, Father, don't don't hold this against them. Because he's just somewhere down the line, Stephen got changed to where when he was getting killed, he's just like his father, just like his savior. Somehow he just became just like him, where he laid it down, right? And that's what I mean is like, you say all this stuff, and this is what I'm saying. It's like, it's a, it's a hesitation in my heart because when you teach this stuff, you'll go, people will go, yes, I can do that. And if you don't understand, you can't do that, right? You, like, you, you, can't, you can't lay your life down for Jesus in your own strength, but he's not asking you to, Right? He's not, asking, he's not asking us to live like that. He's not asking you to look at somebody and forgive them in spite of them always failing and doing the same thing. He's not looking, yeah, he's not looking for you to do that in your own strength. None of it is asked in your own strength. That's why I always say it's like we pray for the sick and we're like, we need Jesus to show up, but then we're trying to love somebody that's difficult, that's actually failing all the time and never actually comes to, its, comes to their senses. How can I do that in my own strength? But I try to, I try to pray, yeah, I try to pray and heal somebody in my own strength. Like, we all agree that there's no way I can do that, right? I know, I'm just, I feel like I'm just going to keep, the cans are just going to get deeper and deeper with the worms. You have a question? No, you're going to have to wait. Sarah, and then Danielle. This isn't a question. It was just something I thought of when you were talking about when someone's acting a certain way, like kind of just viewing them like, oh, like what's actually going on here? It makes me think of being a mom and being a parent because that's how it is. I mean, with toddlers especially, like mm -hmm. they're like acting a certain way. They're acting like just out of the norm. And you're like, oh, it's because they're tired. This is going on. 
Um, and that's actually what it made me think of. And when you kept talking and talking about like loving, like loving them and forgiving them, even when they keep like acting a certain way, right? right? Well, that's what it is with parents and your kids. Like your kids might be screaming in your face and like hitting you and all this, but you love them and forgive them because for one thing, you know, they, that they don't know any better and they're learning. And for another thing, like, like they're your children. Right. So I think like, for me, what I was thinking is like viewing people like almost as children because they are, they're God's children mm -hmm. and we're to love them in that sort of way where mm -hmm. it's like you don't even think about not forgiving and loving them. Like you just view them as God's children. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so good. Anybody, if you guys know, if you ever listen to Todd White, um, he's great, but he's just big dreadlock looking guy. And it's like so many times he, he talks about like just getting like screamed at. He's like, I'm trying to share Jesus. And this guy's just angry and mad. And he's like, bro, you don't understand. And he's just like, the guy's just like screaming in his face. Like, dude, don't touch me. No, dude, you don't get it. You don't understand. And I'm just like, that's the Lord. And it's like, we're, you can't do that in your own strength. You can't become like that in your own strength. Like there's something in some people that I'm just like, dude, there's no way but Jesus that you could live like that. There's no way that you could forgive like that. There's no way that you could love like that. What we do is we we lower the standard to something else and then we say, well, yeah, we can jump that. We can jump that. Like a lot of what we preach is like in our own strength. Yeah, that's, that's doable. But you preach Jesus and you say, hey, follow me. Impossible. Right? We, what we say is like, hey, be kind of like me. Like Dylan. Be kind of like me. And you're like, man, I could probably be like Dylan. Be like Jesus. You can't be like him at all. That's why we're making disciples of him. And him we preach. Right? Paul says we don't preach ourselves, we preach him. Because he's the one that's he's the crucified one, and he's the one that's inviting us into this lifestyle. And it's absolutely incredibly impossible in your own strength. And there's so many times that I'm just like, I'm trying to do it in my own strength, and the Lord's just like, hey dude, how many times do I have to tell you? He never he doesn't say it like that, but I, in my mind I think that. And the Lord's like, No, I'm super gracious with you. But he's just like, Hey Dylan, I'm not asking you to do it in your own strength, right? Like, like toddlers, they're I always think about like they're they're the kind of the worst coworkers you've ever had. Like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they don't ever pull their weight. And it's just like, it's just like funny, but it's like true because you look at him, you're like, you're just, that's Adam. Like you're lost in sin. You're not, you're not born again and you don't know. And how could you ever know? Cause you're blind. You know what I mean? But then we look at other people and we're just like, Hey, why don't you read this? And they're blind and we expect them to live a certain way. Right? It's like, what if, like, what if we were people that were understood that we were called to suffer and pray for those who persecute us? Right? And bless those who curse you. That when we see them, we're like, man, I'm, I'm not going to let what they're doing and where they're at dictate what I see and what I believe. And you just position in your heart to where I'm going to see them the way that God sees them. To where every situation, you're just like, okay, they might be super difficult, Father. What, like, what if, like, what if Brandon was doing something to me that was super, super, just not, we're not even going to say it's cool. And that's the thing is like, we think that sometimes like forgiveness I don't know why I'm coming over here. I was going to stand like this for a second. But like, we think forgiveness is like, okay, well, I'm just going to let that slide. That's not how God is. He doesn't let things slide. He does say it's sin, right? He's like, that's sin. But there's an answer that's greater than sin. Because where sin abounded, grace much more abounded, right? So he's not saying like, hey, what they did to you was right. He's just saying, hey, what they did to you, don't let them that they don't understand dictate what you do and what you understand, right? Don't let what they don't know dictate what you do know and don't let who they don't know that they are don't let it form and shape who you are right because you you're mine and i know you and you know so don't let them dictate you 
right? Because what we do is we're like, oh, I, like when we hold on to unforgiveness, like Jared said, what it does is you become a little pot that God didn't make because they formed you and fashioned you. And that's why 40 years down the road, you'll bring up the same pain because someone else has been your potter this whole time, right? And I'm not trying to be mean. That's just what happens is where it's just like, okay, like when I see that person, I, there's just bitterness in my heart. Or when I, maybe I'm not forgiven them, this and that. It's like until we address what's going on and we just say, man, father, like I don't care if my dad never ever told me he loved me. My dad did, but like don't tell, I don't care if he never told me he loved me. Like it doesn't matter. Like, what does that matter when you said that you love me, right? So I put off the old because my, I, that's why, that's why, that's why dying to live is so important because you, you set aside all that stuff, right? Like Jesus says, call no man on earth your father. You have one father. Call no man on earth your teacher because you have one teacher. He's saying, don't try to find your identity in other people and what they're doing because that's what we do a lot, right? I'm this way because of this. And what Jesus is saying is saying, hey, you've been this way because of that. No, let's put that thing off because he's inviting us into a life that's greater and better, right? Like Jared, forgiveness is always for your benefit. Forgiveness is always for your benefit. Walking out of something is always for your benefit. He's calling us into a life everlasting and more, and, and more fruitful than we could ever imagine, right? That's why it's not, that's why his commandments are not burdensome. That's why his commandments are not hard and heavy. That's why his yoke is easy because he's inviting us into a life that's better, because he's saying, hey, you don't have to be who you've always been. You don't have to hold on to something that, that's not yours to hold on to, right? That's why Jesus says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. If this person never repents and it's like they're, they've done the most terrible thing and they never ever say that they're sorry and they never come to their understanding, like there is vengeance. There's going to be vengeance one day, right? And if they, if they come to their senses, there was still just vengeance because God poured out that wrath and that forgiveness on Jesus, Right? That goes against everything that like we were talking about. That goes against everything that we are because we want justice. And God is just, 100% just. Go ahead. I know I kind of... Okay. Because it's forgiveness and freedom. And this is what I think that... <clears throat> like, I think one of the things that we get hung up on is we think that like like we think that forgiveness like I said turns a blind eye to something like forgiveness is not turning a blind eye to anything right forgiveness is 100% addressing that what what's going on and seeing that it's sin and addressing it and there might be just there might be actions that need to happen. And there might be things that need to be responded. And there might be, you know, there might be there might be there might be dis, there might be a distancing of yourself from somebody because of the way that they've treated you. Right? It's not just being like open arms to, to a dog that's biting you. You know what I'm saying? And that's what we think is just like Jesus was never a like he wasn't a doormat, but he was a very good leader. Right? I'm trying to say that the best way. I feel like if I just say it really humbly and honestly, like what Jesus does when he says that, he positions you. He positions you not to be hurt by anybody anymore. Because so if you if you forgive somebody and you walk in forgiveness with them, 
and you extend forgiveness to them, he brings your heart to a place to where you're not, you're not in need of them anymore. You don't need them to act a certain way so that you're okay. Right? He positions you higher. Right? Jesus is not, he's not super stressed out because of the way that the world is looking. And what's crazy is Jesus never changes who he is in the midst of all my suffering, all my sin, all my pain, everything that I caused him never changed his mind and he was super steadfast. Because he didn't need me to act a certain way so that I would become something. Or he didn't need me to he didn't need me to act a certain way so that he would be okay and be something. Right? And what we do is we 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 place all our expectation on Brandon to treat me right. And that's why that's why dying to yourself and laying your life down is so important because if you don't owe me anything, then I'm free from you, right? Then I, all I am is I'm positioned to love you well if I don't need you, right? If I have my identity, if this is super good and I'm not trying to, I'm just going to dabble in it, okay? I'm just going to dip my toes in it. <clears throat> in a marriage, if I wake up every day and I'm okay, I'm fulfilled in Christ, that's why it's two holes becoming a whole. It's not two halves becoming a whole. It's two completely full on fire people becoming one burning fire, right? Because if my wife wakes up and she's not okay, it doesn't change the way that I am. What does that have to do with anything? I'm positioned to love her out of it, right? If, if she's not where she's supposed to be or she's not understanding something right, doesn't change me. That's what she says. She's like, I love that you're steadfast. I'm like, Jesus made me steadfast, right? And he is my steadfastness. And if I'm not doing well, She's in a place to where she understands Jesus really well and she can love me through it, right? And she can see me through it. That's what marriage looks like because I'm, it's not that she's like 50 and I'm 50. She's 100 and I'm 100, right? She's 100% for me because my life is laid down, right? For better or for worse, through sickness and in health, for richer or for poor. We say all that stuff, but we don't understand. Like, that's what he's saying. It's like, you position yourself, I'm... I'm fulfilled in Christ, and out of my fulfillment in Christ, I can love this person well. Adam shows it in the garden. He has no need of anybody, and God says there's not a suitable helper for him. And it's crazy because the image of Christ in Adam, the image of God in Adam was completely full. Like God didn't need man. He didn't need man. He wanted man because he needed a, a river to flow his love through. Right? Adam didn't need Eve but he had nowhere to actually expound his love and manifest the kingdom of God, right? The having dominion and subduing the earth, is that's what it looks like, is becoming like Christ and looking like Christ and in every situation modeling Christ to where I'm fulfilled in Christ and it doesn't matter how Anhill treats me, I'm actually positioned to bring the kingdom into that situation. I'm actually positioned to love this person well because I've laid my life down for the sake of another. Does that make sense? Like laying your life down is the key. And that's why in Matthew chapter 16, if we ever get there for the last three weeks, Peter's revealed that he's the, or he's revealed that Jesus is the Christ. Verse 21, from that time, from the time that they understood and they were revealed that Jesus was the answer and He was the one, the coming one, from that time, Jesus began to show His disciples that He must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and raised the third day. It's pretty, that's pretty crazy to me. That He's like, 
oh, now that you understand who I am, I'm going to let you know that because of who I am, this is what it's going to look like. Right? They're like, you're the one that we're going to follow. You're the one that's a savior. You're the one that we're going to, you're the one that we're giving everything for. And he's like, well, now that you see who I truly am, this is what it looks like to follow me. Right? Keep going. Um, he talks to Peter about some stuff. Um, verse 24 says, oh, I felt like I needed to repent too about my joke last week. Simon convicted me about the Peter joke, about him being the Pope. I feel like the Lord wants to really impact the Catholic community, and I don't think sarcasm is the best way to do it, so I apologize for that. Um, yeah. Verse 24. <clears throat> then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, right, so pause. You're the son of the living God. You're the Messiah. You're the anointed one. You're the one that we're looking for. Hey, I'm about to tell you that everything that you you think about me is true, and this is what it's going to look like is I'm going to have to suffer and die. And then he goes right on to say, hey, if anyone wants to come after me, this is what it's going to take. Right? If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And this is what I want us to see is like the hesitation with this is like people it's not easy but it's better. Right? It's not easy to lay your life down but it's better. Right? It's not easy it's not easy to forgive and walk in forgiveness like like what Robin's talking about. That's not easy but it's better. It's more life for you when you lose it. It's greater life for you. Right? The, the way of Jesus is not easy. It's just, it's the best life that you could ever live. And I think that, <clears throat> I don't have a lot of time, but I think that, I think the Lord is inviting us into laying our lives down for the sake of another, laying our lives down to follow him. Like 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says that, he's like, he, Christ, one died for all. Now, he's like, we judge that if one died for all, then all died, and that those who live, so us, those who live, should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them. Right? So the, we, we, the goal of Christianity is that you wouldn't live for yourself, but you'd live for him. And living for him is actually the best thing for you. Because you weren't created for you, you were created for him. You understand that? Like you were fashioned and formed to have a relationship with God and live in relationship with God for his glory to manifest his image. And then the biggest deception and the biggest lie and the worst thing in the world is man takes that image and goes and lives for themselves outside of God. Right? But they were created for God. And that's why when you truly walk in what you were created for, when you truly walk in who you were created to be, you'll realize you're like, oh, this is what truly living looks like. Right? When we sing the blood and it says like justified really living, that's what he's calling us to. Like walking in forgiveness, walking, walking through things, walking through forgiveness with people, laying your life down, not, not taking an account of a suffered wrong, all that stuff that's super hard, that's what truly living looks like. Because it sets, you, it sets you apart in your heart to where you actually live from a place of just complete freedom. Right? So when I wake up and Taya doesn't owe me anything, I'm free. You understand that? And it might be super hard for me to do that. It might, I might wake up and be like, I might have to go, Father, I know that this is the truth. I'm yielding my heart to you. She doesn't owe me a thing. And I'm not trying to, I'm not going to let her where she's at dictate where I'm at. 
And I might have to continually give myself to the Lord in that area, but grace is is available for me to make that my reality because Jesus is calling me to it. He's not going to call me to something I can't walk in. Right? Jesus never calls me. Like I always say, he doesn't give you gas to drive down a road you're not called to. Right? He doesn't give us gas to go down a road that is not available for us. But he says, hey, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. Okay, well then if I deny myself, pick up my cross, I'm going to have all the strength, all the grace, all the necessary things to, to walk out what I'm called to walk out then. Right? And that's why you'll see people that are becoming like Jesus and looking like Jesus, and you're like, how are they doing it? Because they're, they're yielding themselves to the Lord, and all of heaven's power is available for them to become that. Right? And there's no power for us to live, in, live for ourselves. Right? There's no grace for us to live for ourselves. That's why us living for ourselves is actually deception because there's no, there's no power for us to live for ourselves. Right? It's the same thing of like, how come we don't see all these healings? Are we preaching the gospel that God wants to confirm? Right? Like, he confirms the word with accompanying signs and wonders and we're just like, I asked the Lord, I'm like, how come we're not seeing all the wonders and signs that we want to see? Are we preaching the same thing that he wants, us, he wants to confirm? And when we preach the thing that he wants to confirm, it shows right up and you're just like, holy cow, that was crazy. Right? Because he's just like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's good stuff. There's grace for what God actually wants. And that's why, like, that's what I mean by we have to understand that when we see that, okay, I'm called to lay my life down in this area, then I, I know and I believe his goodness and I believe all I got to do is step into it and there's grace and empowerment for me to walk it out. It might hurt and it might have to take humility on my heart to actually lay some stuff down and, and address that like, man, I've been living for myself in this area. Man, I've been, I've been holding on to my finances and it's all about me and I believe that my finances are mine and they're not the Lord's. And I'm going to have to say that out loud and be like, I'm sorry, Lord, what do I have to do? But when I address it and I actually lay my life down and I say, okay, I'm going to follow Jesus, then what, is, what does he have for me? I remember I went through this season where I'm like, I was, we were, I was struggling financially and it was like months and I'm like, all these ideas, I should do this, I could do this, I could do this. I got to the place and the Lord's like, you're just not content. That's your problem. And he's like, and your money is yours and it's not mine. He's like, you're a steward of what I've given you. I'm like, okay, Lord. I literally went, then even if I'm like this, the rest of my life, I'm good because I know that you'll take care of me. I got a raise that night. And I was like, that's bullcrap. Like, because I'm like, it's been months. And it was like, oh yeah, that was, that was just coming. And I'm just like, no, the Lord positioned me to, <laughs> to step into something. And it's like, there's grace. And the Lord's like, now that you understand that, now I can give you more. Right? Because he's about, he's about us looking and living like Christ. He doesn't want us to not look like him. He doesn't want that. Jesus does not want us to not look like him. And it's impossible. And it's hard in your own strength. And this is what I feel like I want to encourage us with is like if we believe like I said at the very beginning we have to believe that it's available for us. And if we believe it's available for us, then it's a lot easier for us to step into something that we believe is available for us, that God wants to do. It's a lot harder to step into something that you don't know if it's really God's will for you. Right? Faith begins where the will of God is known. Right? 
So when he's calling his disciples to follow him, and he's just like, you might not under you might not understand it, and you might not actually get it, and you might not even want to do it. But but like Philippians chapter one says, it's God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. He's not just working in you to do it; He's actually working in you to want it and to do it. Right? So I might just say, Hey Lord, I actually don't want to lay my life down for my wife in this area, but I want to want to. Right? I want. I actually want to want what you want. I want to want what you want. And that's healthy because I'm like, what I'm doing is I'm laying down my life and my will so that I can walk and follow Jesus. And then what he does is he actually starts to make me want to want that. And then he makes me do it. And the powers and the strength is actually for me to actually start walking it out is actually his, his ability and his strength. And here's what's so beautiful is at the end of the day when I stand before the Lord, all I did was say yes. I got nothing to show but, but my faith in Christ. Right? And when he separates the two, it's going to be those who believed and those who didn't believe. It's not going to be those who worked and strived, those who believed and those who didn't believe. And the fruit that you're going to see and the fruit that's going to stand is going to be crowns that I didn't get in my own strength. And that's why you place a crown on my head, it's going to be thrown at someone else's feet because it's not my it's not my crown. Right? That's like, we want that, y'all. Like, you want that. You want to yield yourself to him. You want to see, you want to, you want to start to see the Lord start to change and transform you. And it's available for us. And I think that what we have to address, and I'll close with this, is what we have to address is it might look like you just recognizing it. Like, right, Robin? Like, it might look like you just recognizing it and being like, what do I do here, Lord? And then him saying, this is what you're called to do. And you're like, that's really hard. But transformation is you recognizing it and you wanting it. Right? Like I tell people all the time, if if a mindset came that you used to believe all the time and you used to walk in it, but you recognize that, that it came, and you're like, man, I don't want to think like that. Or man, I don't want to see that person that way. Or man, I don't want to, I've forgiven that person and I don't want to continue to see them that way. God's already transforming you. Right? You're not... You're not trans. God is already transforming you. You're not trying to be transformed because you recognize and see something clearly now, right? Because truth makes you free, right? So, so when you're just like, when a thought process came that used to come a ton, like me and Tay, like when the kids used to wake up in the middle of the night, it used to be frustration in my heart. I'd be like, dude, what the heck again? This all this stuff. Now it's like. I just jump out of bed and me and Taya laugh about it because it's like we never used to think like that because I yielded my heart to the Lord. I'm like, Lord, I don't want to think like that because I'm going to have to get up regardless whether or not it's right or wrong or whether I do it in the right heart or not the right heart. I'm still getting up. So it doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? And that's the thing. is like I'm following Jesus. I'm going to walk through it. I'm going to have to walk through it. So I better walk through it with the right heart posture, right? I better just do it with the right spirit. Like, I'm still going to have to, like, you're, if you're walking through forgiveness, you're going to have to walk through it. Or you're not going to walk through it and you're going to be bitter at this person. There's, there's, no, there's one or the other. You're in it, right? They did it. It hurt you. You're in it. Jesus is showing you a greater way to do it, right? But it takes humility on our part and it takes, okay, Jesus, like, you're the Lord of my life, so I'm going to lay down my, my will. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? That's what it means to be Lord. It's like he's the governing ruler and he's the one. And when you know that he's good and you know that he loves you and he know that, you know that he's, 
he actually has his, your best interest at heart, then when you submit yourself to him, it's always for your benefit. Even if it might not look for your benefit. It's always for your benefit. Because it's, it's life more abundantly. And when you lose your life, you'll find it. Does that make sense? All right, you guys can stand with me. I know that that's not like hip, hip, hooray message. Dying to yourself usually isn't. I remember when me and Taya first started dating, she came, she texted me and she's like, I'm just having like a rough day this morning. My my cousin, she was living with her aunt and uncle. She said, my, hers, her mom and dad were in Karis. And she's like, my cousin and blah, blah, blah. They're just so self-centered and all this stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> I just texted her. Because I was like, this is like week two of us dating. I'm like, if she doesn't, she can't handle this, then like, we're gonna, we're not going to work out. And I was just like, well, it's a good thing that they didn't wake up so that you'd have a good day today. And she's like, what? I'm like, it's a good thing that they didn't wake up so that everything will go right for you today. That's not what, that's not, that's not what their purpose is on the earth. They didn't wake up so that your life would go well. And it's like, sometimes we just need the Lord to be like, hey, your mindset is actually, you've picked your life back up and you're carrying it again and that's why you're experiencing all what you're experiencing. Right? Sometimes the Lord just needs to be like, hey, like I remember I was, last Sunday, Valor woke up at 3 a.m. or whatever and it was just like, I'm like, this is so hard and the kid's like punching everybody in the house and I'm just like, and the Lord's like, hey, did you think crucifixion was going to be nice and easy? I'm like, no. I, did, I, I guess I did think it was going to be awesome, like, but it wasn't. And it's like, I just positioned myself differently and the change started to happen in my mind and my perspective, right? All I did was just say, all I did was yield to him. And yielding might take some surrender and some humility, but it doesn't have to take long. It just takes, it just takes sincerity. Being like, Lord, I'm just sincerely don't want to think like that anymore. So I need help, right? So I feel like we just need to respond in our hearts. I want us all to close our eyes. We just need to respond in our hearts and say, like, Father, to the best of our ability, we want to follow you and we want to experience your life. Even if that means us laying, letting go and laying aside mindsets and things that are actually hindering us, Lord. Father, there are things that are, we are believing about ourselves, about other people. There's things that we are holding on to. There's rights in our hearts that are actually hindering our growth and our maturity in Christ and actually hindering our calling and our purpose in, the, in this earth. So, Father, I pray that you reveal those to us. And, Father, like you are, like a tender a tender father, you're going to reveal and you're going to remove, Father, those things in our lives. And I thank you, Lord, that there's just humility in our hearts to say yes to what you have. Jesus, we, we proclaim you as Lord of our lives. We're not going to continue to strive and pursue and work, Father, to, to see your purposes come to pass in our lives. Lord, we just ask that you just reveal them to us, Lord. Father, I thank you that there might be weeks or months down the road that we have a thought that we haven't struggled with that or we haven't thought like that or we haven't responded like that. And you're going to say, yeah, that's because you yielded it to me, finally, and you gave it to me. So, Father, I thank you that going forward, we're going to position and purpose in our hearts that we're denying ourselves and we're picking up our cross and we're following you. 
That, Father, we're going to purpose in our hearts that we're not going to live for anybody but you. And, Lord, we're thankful that we're going to experience the abundant life of actually walking with you. We're going to experience the abundant life of actually living for you. And that true freedom is found in us laying down our lives. And, Father, we want to become like you. We want to look like you. We want to walk like you. We love you, Jesus. Thankful that your good pleasure, Lord, to give it to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We have.